morning, Faith Community Church. Uh, we're here in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, so we just got done with the Battle of Armageddon, uh, Christ's second coming, the conclusion of the tribulation. And as we enter into uh, chapter uh, 20, the tribulation is now finished, and we have four main things happening in chapter 20. We have the binding of Satan, uh, the thousand-year reign of Christ, Satan's final rebellion, and the great white judgment throne. So let's go ahead and look at the text. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and shut it, and he sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until a thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short while. And so you have the angel coming down, chain in hand, binding the dragon, right? The ferocity, the the big, um, horrific reality of who Satan is, binding him, and then as has other phrase, the serpent, that's uh, a thought process back to the Garden of Eden uh, as he presented himself that way. And he binds him for a thousand years. So a question that you have um, just kind of theologically is there's really, this is, this is the millennial kingdom that we're entering into. Uh, that word millennial thousand uh, years, there are really three main uh, theological viewpoints when it comes to the millennial kingdom. And I'll just briefly uh, kind of hit the two and then kind of where our church is at um, for, for just our understanding. But you have uh, what's called post-millennial thought process. And what, what they view is they view this, this as, a, as a part of actual um, history and the church will, will get better and better and better and more and more of this golden age that will take place. Um, you actually had a lot of the... Um, uh, the Puritans who, who kind of had this thought process of, uh, of a post-millennial thought process. Uh, you have what's called awe-millennial. Um, actually, a lot of the early church fathers um, had this sort of kind of thought process. And this is the, the, that this is all kind of um, allegory. Um, it's it's uh, awe-millennial, no-millennium. Um, so this is part of, you know, that will happen in heaven or, or just all kind of theory, uh, allegory, a story that leads you towards it. And then what um, our church believes in is a, is a premillennial um, kind of thought process. And what this means is that there is actually a real um, thousand-year reign of Christ. It's not uh, just the church getting better and better and better. It's not all story and allegory, as those other two mentioned, but an actual um, a thousand-year reign uh, that when we're reading the text, um, the grammatical historical text, uh, we can look and say, okay, this, this is saying it's a thousand-year reign. And so that's what this is beginning, what we would consider the, the millennial kingdom, an actual, real, a thousand-year reign. And uh, then in verse 4, it continues, it says, Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and the judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus, because the word of God and those who did not worship the beast or his image and have not received the mark on their forehead and their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. And so you have these two groups of people who've kind of gone through the tribulation and they've actually, uh, they've, they've been killed. Uh, they, they, they've been martyred or those who have made it through and didn't take 
the the sign of the the sign of the beast, the mark of the beast. And it's these that will will continue into the millennial kingdom. And it says the rest of the dead did not come to the life until the thousand years are completed. So you, you have this kind of thought process, this thousand year millennial kingdom on earth, like today's earth, what we have, the people who will be reigning with Christ are those who went through the tribulation, not taking the mark of the beast, and those who were killed during the tribulation, uh, beheaded, uh, that, that Greek word kind of went to more as it continues on to just executed, um, not necessarily just beheaded. Um, and those are the people who will reign uh, in this millennial kingdom for a thousand years. Blessed, are, blessed and holy is the one who has uh, a part in this first resurrection over these second over this the second death has no power but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him again for a thousand years and so what we have set up is the end of the tribulation and the beginning of the millennial kingdom and Christ coming down and he actually reigning physically on earth for a thousand years when the thousand years are completed satan will be released from his prison and he will come out and he'll deceive the nations which are at the four corners of the earth gog and magog to gather them for war and and the number of them is like the sand in the seashore and so you ask yourself well wait a second i thought everybody that came into the millennial kingdom are, are believers and the answer is absolutely unequivocally the second death doesn't have a reign over them and so you're asking well where did all these people come well a thousand years of living life more people are born think about that a thousand years marriage having children children having children and what we see is is that even in the midst of satan being bound there is still this 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 luring of worshiping and going away from the true creator, even Christ there reigning with you a thousand years, um, all of your mom and dad, your grandpa, your grandmas, everybody that they were saved and these generation after generation after generation that end up walking away. And so they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and the fire came down from heaven and devoured them. It's not, it's not a battle. There's here, and it's like fire came down, game over. Uh, and the devil who, was, who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And that is the, the reality of Satan. From here on out, it's no more. There will be no more deception, no more sin, no more lying, no more of the dragon and the serpent coming and deceiving anymore. He is thrown into the pit forever. And starting in verse 11, we have the next part, uh, the judgment. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found in them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne and books were open, and another book was open, which is called the Book of Life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. So you have the great white judgment is the end of the time where you have uh, uh, people coming, believers, unbelievers, opening up, and judgment is happening. How did you live? What did you do? 
how do you enter into heaven and a good this is not like you open up and oh curtis was a good guy and he yes uh, my thoughts will be judged everything but the ultimate reality of me opening up that and me making it in is all of the things will still be judged but it'll say forgiven by Christ, forgiven by Christ, forgiven by Christ. He had a bad thought, forgiven by Christ. And then the book will be open is the, the book of life. Is my name, is your name in the book of life? How do you get into the book of life? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, right? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but of that of Jesus Christ. You take all of Christ, you put him on you. He becomes your propitiation. He is your atoning sacrifice. He takes all of your sin. Forgiveness happens, that great exchange that the gospel is all about. And in the end, when we finally see this, it says, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before him. The book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged with which were written in the books according to their deeds. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Verse 15, and it concludes this chapter. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So what is the most important thing in your entire existence? What is the highest goal that you could possibly have as a human? And it's this, for your name to be written in the book of life. If your name's written in the book of life, all eternity is with Jesus. Walking in the cool, you're doing what you were created to do. You finally are home. You finally, as Hebrew says, are at your rest. And if your name is not written in the book of life, no amount of accolades, no amount of money, no amount of power or fame or prestige, no amount of good deeds, nothing can save you but the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ gives you the entry point into that book of life. And that book of life gives you entry into eternity. May our heart's desire be to live lives worthy of being written in the book of life. God bless. Mm -hmm.